You're listening to Youth and Loud. The show that's the show that's quiet about the trivial things, but loud about the important things. We discuss all issues relevant to youth. If you'd like to find out more about the show or have a topic idea, check us out on Facebook and give us a shout by searching Youth and Loud. On this episode, we interview Tony Wen, who is the Executive Director of Anti-Poverty Week. Tony talks about the purpose of Anti-Poverty Week, the prevalence of poverty in Australia, and how the Australian community can work together to support individuals and families who experience poverty. So, Tony, just to uh, kick us off, um, can you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and your role as the Executive Director of Anti-Poverty Week? Sure. Um, just like to say from the start, I'm coming to you from Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, and I'd like to pay my respects to our Indigenous people. Um, so, I've been working in the uh, social and economic policy area for over 30 years. And um, I'm very excited to um, have had the chance to bring that expertise and experience to Anti-Poverty Week. Um, so in that time, I've worked um, across a number of non-profit organisations, but I also had the chance to work and study abroad. And um, I've worked in the UK, the US and Japan, and all in this social policy employment space. So. Um, but it's good to be back, been back in Australia about um, uh, 15 years. Um, so really good to be here. And um, Anti-Poverty Week um, is a good fit for me because it really brings together, it's an opportunity, our purpose is to bring, is to help Australians understand, better understand poverty. And by that we mean, you know, what causes it and what are the solutions. Um, but it also is an opportunity to bring people together, hopefully from across the community, um, to take action collectively to end poverty. And, and I came into the role and, and helped develop that new um, strategy last year. And we talked to a lot of people who've been involved. So End Poverty Week's been going since 2002. And we are a week that um, is always around the 17th of October, which is the UN International Day for the Eradication of Poverty. The key thing that there was a, a strong view that um, in this refresh that we did last year, that we wanted to focus more on action and we wanted to have a real focus on evidence-based solutions. Um, beautiful. So I guess, Tony, in thinking about um, this week, what what are some ways that people can be uh, involved or what are some of the activities that different um you know, organisations uh, arrange for people to uh, participate in? Well, before 2020 and COVID, <laughs> there's always been a lot of face-to-face um, activities and events organised during the week. And, and that has ranged from, um, and we are doing it again this year, um, the Salvation Army have their Money Care Day on Wednesday, which is mentioned today. Um, where they actually offer direct support around financial counselling, and um, that's usually face-to-face, but um, they're doing it online, and in some parts of Australia, they are doing it face-to-face. But also, we have, um, you know, launch of big reports, 
um, that come out in Anti-Poverty Week every year. So this week, um, after many, as on many years, um, we did have the launch of the Food Bank Hunger Report on Monday. Um, and so that's a really important way to start the week to really focus on that basic need that everybody has around food security. Um, and today we've got the Anglicare Jobs Availability Snapshot. So they're both talking about what's actually happening around affecting people in poverty, but also talking about solutions. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the, the Food Bank report and what have been some of the main uh, findings from that report, Tony? Well, the Food Bank report, they, um, they've been tracking their demand and it's been very uneven through the year. So there were very big peaks at the time when um, the shutdown and COVID happened, particularly um, because people were, there were all those food shortages in supermarkets. Um, and so there was a big demand for vulnerable people who needed food at that time. Um, overall, they're saying this, this year they've set a 47% increase in demand, but some parts, sometimes that's been up to 80%. Um, the key um, finding has been that there's a newly emerging group of people needing food. Um, many have never had to ask for food before. And unfortunately, um, it's a lot of young people in that case. Um, casual workers have been a high um, group, and, and whereas we know a lot of young people are in casual employment, they were also left out of the JobKeeper wage subsidy program the government introduced if they were. Um, casual less than 12 months, um, but also within that group we've seen a lot of demand from people on temporary visa and visas, particularly international students. So Food Bank has, those, those two groups, casual workers and international students have been a um, new group that have needed food and, you know, really because government has decided to not provide any government income support payments to those groups. Yeah. Um, so, Tony, I guess when you're talking about young people in terms of how they've been affected um, in relation to poverty, um, how, how prevalent would you say it is for young people um, in terms of poverty in, in Australia? Well, before the pandemic um, and the bushfires, we, um, we already knew children in particular were um, the group most likely to be living in poverty, which is quite shocking. Um, but yeah, the, the, it's been pretty consistent for many years now that um, that um, around one in six Australian children were growing up in poverty. And I like to think of that as, um, or another way to think about it, if you think of, there's a classroom of 30 kids, on average five of those kids would be in poverty. Mm. Of course it's not on average, of course it's in different parts of the country much higher and yeah. lower in others. But Considering we are probably one of the wealthiest countries in the world per capita, it's a very shocking statistic. And um, and even if you go the next sort of group up, so younger people over 15 to 24, they also have elevated levels of poverty higher than um, the general population. What would you say is the most uh, important thing about poverty for Australians to be aware of? I think that probably sums up by the key messages that we we have um, and that is that poverty exists we really do have poverty in Australia which again is quite shocking considering 
come off who we are. And, um, and so that is really important that poverty does exist in Australia. And it does actually hurt the whole community. We've got children growing up in poverty and we've got people living in poverty because it really holds, it holds us back as a nation. And, you know, it, it really reflects, it's not, it says a lot about who we are as a nation, um, that we're not really providing enough and we're not coming up with solutions. Mm. And that's the third part that poverty can be solved. There, there are solutions, they are absolutely in our grasp. And actually, we've had a lot of experiments here. So despite the fact that we've had this terrible pandemic and recession, the government actually stepped in and doubled unemployment payments at the beginning. And that actually lifted many people who were already living in poverty out of poverty mm. because those payments were way below the poverty line. Mm. So for young people and for other adults who are already unemployed um, and on a range of payments like Austin, um, those payments were doubled. And um, we've seen the data, the ANU's modelled it and shown that it actually took millions out of poverty. Um, the concern, of course, we have is the government insisting that these are temporary payments and that they will actually cease at the end of this calendar year. Um, we've already seen a couple of weeks ago the payments were cut by 55%. Um, and they are due to go away altogether, but we, and probably we have been campaigning very hard and, and in the lead up to it, and many of our partner organisations to say, no, the government, you know, congratulations, you did the right thing, and it worked, mm. and we need to keep protecting people from poverty um, way beyond the end of this year, because sadly, unemployment is actually going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. What are some of the things that we can do as a community in Australia to better support people who are still struggling with poverty? I think um, a lot of it is to recognise that absolutely it is not the individual's fault. We are a little bit more aware of that, again, the horror year that we've had, that things like bushfires, they are, you know, they affected people completely indiscriminately. Um, the COVID pandemic, the shutdowns, you know, lots of people who had jobs and were doing fine have themselves now seen what what um, hardship looks like and are very concerned about their futures. Mm. So I hope that that um, recognition that, that we do need all to be in this together that we all can um, help each other um, is really important and is a really key message. And I guess the other big thing is that we need evidence solutions to get through this. Um, we need it for climate change. We need it to um, manage the pandemic. We need to listen to the science and the evidence and it's the same in terms of poverty. So we know we have to do this investment to help whether it's in income support that's above the poverty line, or whether it's making sure there's enough housing, affordable housing for people. Um, but that that's an investment in our community, but it also has an economic problem. So it just makes complete sense. So we, we say it's the right thing to do, 
to invest to um, reduce poverty. It's also the smart thing to do. Um, the, the two things come together. Mm. And what would you say are some of the main uh, causes or factors that lead a person or lead a family to experience poverty? Um, well, up until the government increased these uh, unemployment payments and the other payments around them, like study and heritage payments, the biggest cause of poverty was just that the payments were inadequate. Mm. So if you, you know, people, even before this, this pandemic, people lose their job or they become sick or they have uh, something happen to them and a relationship breakdown. These are quite common events in a few people's lives. So in fact, um, data from Peter Whiteford, um, who's a great social policy academic, last year came out and said, actually Australians, on average, 70% of Australians in their working age time, not before they retire, would need to access income support at some point because of those reasons, unemployment, illness, relationship Mm-hmm. Um, if those payments aren't enough, if they've been cut back, which is what happened here, then those sorts of events, instead of, you know, if you don't have other supports, if, if you only rely on that income support, if you don't have friends, friends and family who can also add um, more money or perhaps give you somewhere to stay, you are actually at risk of falling into poverty and potentially being stuck there. Um, so actually just having decent income support system is absolutely fundamental. Mm. The other big one is enough affordable housing and we've also seen that um, we don't have enough affordable housing, we've cut the amount of social housing, uh, public housing and, and community based housing and so people are increasingly having to come reliant on the rental market which has been very high, um, so that has caused a lot of poverty as well. Mm. Um, so, Tony, I think that's the, the questions that I wanted to chat to you about Anti-Poverty Week. But before we finish today, is there anything else that you'd like to, to say? Again, um, hopefully a message of hope um, that um, poverty is solvable, that um, as a community we can come together, mm. we can be kind to each other and we can also solve problems and using the evidence and having the right public and political will, we can make progress and have the sort of society I think that we'll want to live in. Mm, beautiful. Um, so, Tony, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been really great to chat to you. That brings us to an end of this episode of Youth and Loud. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on Youth and Loud.